2,632. Come on, say that with me. 2,632. Now, if you are a baseball fan, that number should be something special to you. 2,632. On May 30th, 1982, Cal Ripken started at third base uh, in the Baltimore Orioles lineup. He would remain there for the next 2,632 consecutive games. For 16 years, Ripken played every game the Orioles had. It is a major league record for consecutive games played. It's an amazing record of endurance and toughness and just flat out showing up. Baseball is not um, considered one of the most physical sports, but the thing about baseball is that it is relentless in its schedule. Get the schedule. 162 games played in approximately 185 days. So teams play six games most weeks. Some weeks they play every day, which creates a load of opportunities for pulled muscles and injuries and scrapes and bruises and collisions and just fatigue, just getting tired. It is rare for a player to play all 162 games in a single season, especially rare, especially rare for a player to play every game for 100 and, I'm sorry, for 16 seasons in a row, 2,632 games. Ripken faced multiple opportunities to miss a game, to break his record. He was hit by pitches 58 different times, and yet he kept playing. Twice, Ripken severely injured his ankle, but he played through it. In the 1993, Orioles and Mariners were involved in a bench-clearing brawl during one of their games. And during the skirmish on the field, Ribkin badly twisted his right knee. He was hurting and very sore the next day, but he still played. During the All-Star game, the All-Star team photo in 1996, the Chicago White Sox pitcher slipped and fell into Cal Ripken while they were taking a picture, photo op, and he broke Cal Ripken's nose before the All-Star game. Guess what? He still played in the All-Star game, and he was present in the lineup for the next two days uh, later regarding the Baltimore Orioles. In 1994, the Players Union went on strike. If you were a baseball fan, you know that. In 1995, the season was approaching. The strike was still going on. They didn't even have a World Series, you know, that whole thing. And, and the strike had not ended, and teams were considering beginning the season with replacement players, and what a mess that was. But owners and players reached a deal at the last minute, and the start of the season was delayed three weeks. But when the Orioles started playing the the first game, guess who was in the lineup? Cal Ripken. Now that's significant. I highlight that because 1995 was the year that Cal Ripken died, or died, I'm sorry, that he tied the previous, I'll try that again, that he tied, he would have died after all those games, right? He tied the previous record holder's um, record, Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig played in 2,130 consecutive games a record that had stood for 56 years in Major League Baseball. And the day that Ripken broke this streak 
was in September 6, 1995. It's remembered as one of the most important regular season baseball games in history. Cal Street continued for three more years, three more seasons, until late in 1998, Ripken quietly, without advance notice to anyone, asked his manager to leave him out of the lineup and to not start. And it ended his streak of 2,632 consecutive games. That's what we would call faithfulness. Would you agree with me on that one? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Take a look what the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit produces, come on, read it with me, you know it. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're coming in on the last three of our, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We've been in this series. If you are coming in late into this series, back up and catch us on our podcast. Um, faithfulness is not the flashiest of the list, is it? I mean, you look at that list and you go, you know, that really doesn't stand out all that much. It's pretty predictable, pretty habitual, pretty routine. It's sort of the thing that we take for granted. We have a tendency to do that. But I want you to get something. The Spirit of God wants to reproduce the faithfulness of God in our lives. That's what he's wanting to do. In the original Hebrew, faithfulness, this word faithfulness, um, carries a double focus that, uh, I'm sorry, in the, in, in the original Greek, I'm sorry. Um, it carries a, a double focus for us. It talks about faithfulness being dependable and trustworthy. I want you to get that down in your outline. Being dependable and trustworthy. Come on, say it with me. Being dependable and trustworthy. It's being the kind of person that someone else can rely on, can count on. But also, faithfulness is measured over a long period of time. So I hope you left some space in the line because there's a little bit more. Faithfulness is being dependable and trustworthy for a long time. Being dependable and trustworthy for a long time. Faithful people have proven that they can be trusted over the long haul. It's somebody you know you can rely on for a long time. And that's exactly the truth that we discover in the Old Testament regarding God. That's what we've been singing about all morning, is that God is faithful. The Bible has more than 60 Old Testament references about God being faithful. This is a message that he clearly, a truth that he clearly wants to put out to us so that we comprehend it, so that we remember it. Most of the references in the Old Testament are found in the book of Psalms. And the psalmist David writes this, the Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant. Psalm 33, the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Psalm 100, the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Psalm 89, where is anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are, look at this, entirely faithful. Wow. Then I love what Jeremiah writes in Lamentations 3. You may know this one. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And similarly, in the New Testament, the writers declare the faithfulness of God. The Apostle John says, if we confess our sins to God, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. 
The writer of Hebrews tells us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. He's a promise keeper, not just a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And because he was a Jew and because he was trained in the Jewish faith and Jewish literature, the apostle Paul knew all of these scriptures from the Old Testament I'm sure he knew him in the depth of his heart. And so it was not surprising that he would often remind followers like us about the faithfulness of God. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus is faithful. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10. God is faithful. (laughs) Can't get any clearer than that, right? God is faithful, period. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when tempted. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And then Paul says, if we are unfaithful, I don't know about you, but I relate to this because I'm not always faithful in things. He says, if we are unfaithful, he remains what? Faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Don't miss that last part. He cannot deny who he is. God cannot deny who he is. So Paul's saying faithfulness is at the very core of who God is. There's some, there's some um, attributes about God that we see in the Bible that are core attributes. One of them is love, and we see that all throughout Scripture, unfailing love, unconditional love, love that is always coming, love that is always there. But this is another one, faithfulness. The faithfulness of God is at the core of who God is. It is the very essence of God's character. God is faithful. Come on, say it with me. God is faithful. But when faithfulness is named as a fruit of the Spirit by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, guess what? Paul isn't talking about God's faithfulness at all. He's talking about faithfulness in our lives. Hmm. Faithfulness in our lives to God and to others. That's what he's talking about. And so Paul challenges us And sometimes we read right past this 1 Corinthians 4 because we think we're not a manager, but Paul challenges us with this one little sentence in 1 Corinthians 4 that I want to talk about for just a few minutes today. A person, Paul says, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be what? Faithful. Now, whether you realize it or not, you say, well, I'm not a manager. Yes, you are. It, it, It applies to all of us. It includes all of us because all of us have been given something by God to manage. We manage our lives, we manage our families, we manage our jobs, you name it, etc., etc., etc. We have been given something to manage. We have been given, hang on, responsibilities. Now, I know we live in a culture that tries to deny that. Well, it's not my job. Mm, yes, it is. Well, that has nothing to do with me. Oh, yes, it does. Well, that's none of my business. Oh, yes, it is. Right? We live in a culture that tries to push back, and yet it's so weird, and I know this is a whole other, I'm getting on a soapbox here. It's a whole other topic. It's so weird that our culture pushes back on responsibilities, but, oh, we want entitlement. We want it given to us, but we don't want responsibilities. Okay? So be careful of that. God says, Paul says, we have responsibilities. You and I, our managers. Turn the person next to you and just tell them, you're a manager. You're a manager. Now, the thing about a manager is it's not yours. So tell them that too. It's not yours. <laughs> Hate to tell you, but it's not yours. A lot of the times we think, well, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's my job, it's my life, it's my... No, God has given you this. That, that's what scripture tells us 
very clearly is that God has given us this. If you are a follower of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is what you've got to embrace in your life, that God, hang on, is the owner of everything. And you are a manager. And Paul says, if we are managers, which we are, then we have to be faithful. Hmm. Now we see this so clearly in a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25. And as we read it, I want you to pay attention. A lot of times we read Matthew 25 and we think, oh, it's talking about money. No, it's not. And you're going to see that at the end. Pay attention to what Jesus is saying about faithfulness. Take a look. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them. I want you to circle the words entrusted to them. Entrusted to them. Hopefully you're following along on that outline that you have in your brochure. If you're not, I say to you, why not? I put this together for you so that you would learn more today and remember it. So use it. Use it. Circle the word entrusted to them. It says that he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another servant, and one bag of silver to the last. Now catch this dividing it in proportion to their abilities. There's some more words I want you to circle there. In proportion to their abilities. Hmm. And then he left on his trip. So what Jesus is teaching that far too many people fail to realize is this. God has given each of us responsibilities based on our abilities. Come on, say it with me. God has given each of us responsibilities based on our abilities. Responsibilities based on our abilities. So the master represents God in the story. It's a metaphor. The servants represent who? Us, right? And the bags of silver represent our responsibilities. It's not about money. It's about responsibility. Jesus is talking about responsibility. Everyone is responsible for something. All of us have assignments. And the responsibilities are given out how? Based on our abilities. You follow me? So, I mean, servants don't get all the same responsibilities. And we know that to be true in life. Not all of us have the same responsibilities. Honestly, I don't want some of your responsibilities, and you probably don't want some of mine. How many of you would agree on that one, right? We all have responsibilities, though. And we get our responsibilities according to our abilities. All of us have been given responsibilities based on our abilities. So he continues. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now this is about opportunity. And don't miss this. Get this down. All of us have an opportunity to do something with what God has given us. All of us have an opportunity to do something with what God has given us, what God has given you. You have an opportunity to do something with it. Now, Jesus doesn't give detailed instructions. It's just, it's very clear. These servants were expected to do something with, with what had been given to them. And the thing that I realized, and this probably is a whole other teaching 
uh, series. But the thing that I realize is this, that we aren't given the same responsibilities and we don't have the same abilities, but we do have the same opportunity to do something with what, with what God has given us. We don't have the same responsibilities or the same abilities, but guess what? All of us have opportunity. All of us do. So don't come crying the blue saying, I don't have any opportunity. Yes, you do. God gives all of us opportunity to do something with what he has given us. Jesus continues. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had, what? Used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master... You gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and, what's that word? Faithful servant. You have been, what? Faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Wait, wait, wait. He didn't say many more bags of silver, Jesus specifically says more responsibilities. Hmm. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had two bags of silver came forward, said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. And the master, guess what, repeats the exact same words. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The thing that I'm seeing here is there's only two kinds of servants in this story. We think there's three servants, but actually there's only two kinds. The faithful servants take their responsibility seriously, but the unfaithful one does nothing. Take a look. Then the servant with the one bag of silver had to dig it up out of the ground. Remember that part? He came and he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. There he is. I felt like my mic just left me, didn't it? Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Now, something I noticed, but I don't have time to touch on it, really, is, did you know that the servant who did nothing is the only one that had excuses? Hmm, That's interesting, isn't it? That, That really can apply to life, right? It seems like the people who are not doing anything with the responsibilities that they have been given, guess what? They're the ones making up all the excuses. The ones that are actually doing something with what God has given them, they're moving forward. They don't have time for excuses, right? Hmm, Interesting. Look what the master says back. You wicked, here it is, and lazy servant. Not faithful, lazy If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you, and I could almost insert at least, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. I could have got a little something. You could have been a little bit smarter with what I've given you. You could have done something with what I had given you. He says... Take the bag from this servant. Give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Look what he says here. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. 
but from those who do nothing. Even what little they have will be taken away. Something I want you to see here, the master was not judging on results. The master was judging on effort. Big difference. Get this down. God expects us to be faithful with the responsibilities he has already given us. Faithful with the responsibilities that he's already given us. It is inexcusable to God to not use your abilities and opportunities that you have to do something with the responsibilities that he has already given you. Faithfulness is rewarded by God. It's so clear. I mean, take a look at what the master said to both faithful servants. Remember what he said? You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Sometimes we think, I don't have anything. God, I'm, I'm just, you know, I got this little job and I got this little life and I got this little home and I got this little family and I don't really have anything big and anything major and anything meaningful, anything significant. And God goes, no, no, no. I've given you all that. And even in the little things, just remain faithful to me. That's what he's saying. You have remained faithful. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Friends, faithfulness is evaluated by how reliable we are with what we've already been given. And that's not a fill in the blank, but that's a principle of life. You probably should write that down so you remember it. You know why? Because sometimes we think we should be given more and bigger responsibilities. At work, we're like, you know what? I don't understand why I'm not getting promoted. Joe over there is always getting promoted. Could it be that Joe's on time and actually working? Could it be that because you're like five and ten minutes late every time to work, that the managers are just looking right past you? Oh, I didn't mean to step on your toes. I'm sorry. But it's true, right? I mean, we have a tendency to think, well, we deserve, we're entitled, we should have, we should have more and bigger responsibilities at work, at home, at church. We think we should be given more, but we haven't been faithful in what we've already been given. If you show up late to work, are you being faithful? If you neglect your spouse, ignore your kids, are you being faithful? If you never spend time alone with God, are you being faithful? I mean, we could just keep asking these kinds of questions. Are you being faithful? In your life, in your family, in your job, in your relationship with God, in these areas that you have in your life, are you being faithful? Are you ready for more responsibilities? Is the fruit of faithfulness growing in you? Does faithfulness show up in your life Every day. Hmm. Are you dependable and reliable for the long haul every day? I think the greatest example of this is in the life of Moses. Moses was called by God through a burning bush. You may know this story. He was called by God to lead the Hebrew people, out of over 400 years of Egyptian slavery. And he was, God was saying to Moses, I'm going to give them their own land and they're going to be their own nation and I'm going to be their God. And Moses assumed, he volunteered, or not really even volunteered, he was just called into this responsibility. It was given to him by God. And he led over, it ended up being over a million and a half people through desert wanderings, 
for over 40 years. And one of the New Testament writers, he gives this huge comparison. Look what he says. Jesus was faithful to God just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Come on. How would you like to be compared to Jesus? I mean, that, that, he's saying that Moses showed faithfulness like Jesus shows faithfulness. It's interesting that phrase, Moses was faithful in all God's house, is part of a quote that God himself said about Moses in Numbers 12. Let me give you the context. Moses' own brother and sister were challenging his authority. There was family issues going on behind the scenes. People were already being led by Moses and Miriam and Aaron, his brother and sister. They were, they were thinking, you know what? He's not all that. And sometimes, come on, we know when we're especially family or close to somebody, we begin to see behind the scenes and we realize, you know, they may be on that platform and everybody's view, but back publicly, but behind the scenes privately, they're not all that all the time. And that's what they're saying. Look what they say. Miriam and Aram begin to talk against, not about, against Moses. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? It's like, oh, who says he gets to be boss? Who says he gets to tell us what to do? Be careful at work. Be careful when you start challenging authority. God has you where he has you for a reason. Did God speak through a burning bush to Miriam or Aaron? You say, yeah, but you don't know my boss. He is heathen, pagan, farthest thing from God. I don't care. Talk to Daniel. Go back last week and listen. Daniel had an ungodly boss in an ungodly environment. And God was saying, I'm going to use you right where you are if you stay faithful to me. This was Moses. Moses was doing what God was asking him to do. Has, has the Lord only spoke through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Look at these next words. And the Lord heard this. Dun, dun, dun. Right? I mean, that's what you feel the music building right now because, uh-oh, we didn't realize, God, that you were listening to us. He was. Friends, he is listening to you. At once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out of the tent of meeting. You guys are in here worshiping. It's kind of like right now in service. If God were to speak and say, you, you, and you, get out of church. I want to talk to you on the patio. Almost sounds like oh, a dad. I relate to this. You, you, and you, outside now, right? I mean, that's what he's doing. He's pulling the dad cart, and he pulls him outside and so three of them went out. They, didn't even, they weren't like, oh, well, I didn't do anything. No, 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 no. They're moving because God is serious. They went out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent to get the picture. <laughs> he calls them out of the place of worship. They're outside, and now he's standing in front of the entrance to the place of worship. What is he saying to them? Visually, he's saying, you are not getting back in there until you get this attitude right. 
Oh, man. When the two of them stepped forward, he summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Now, come on, it's, this, is, this is different wording and different style of writing than we're used to. Basically what God is saying, look, okay, when I, when I speak to people on a regular basis, I'm speaking to them in dreams and in visions, and they are getting it in this way, in this source. This is the way I reveal myself to them. But look what he says here. (laughs) But this is not true of my servant. Moses is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. Come on now. <laughs> Just put yourself in Miriam and Aaron's shoes. Maybe not Miriam because she ends up with leprosy. Let's put ourselves in Aaron's shoes. Read the story. I don't go into it, but that's what happened. Okay, put yourself in Aaron's shoes. And God says, you guys think I speak to you? And I know, yeah, I speak to you. But I speak to Moses face to face. Clearly and not in riddles, he sees the form of the Lord. Don't miss who's saying this. God is saying this. Why then were you not afraid to speak against him? Mm. That phrase, Moses is faithful in all my house. Why? Why would God single out the quality of faithfulness in Moses as compared to all the other things that that he could pick out? Why would he he single out faithfulness in him? Well, if, if you back up and you read the whole account, if you go back to Exodus and you read through some of Exodus, and then you really need to read through a little bit of numbers, especially like numbers 11 through about 16 or so, you get to understand the whole story context. As a servant leader, Moses faced a whole lot. And, and we, in our culture, we read through Scripture and we put these little pieces together of Moses and we think, oh yeah, that was the guy that you know, did the Red Sea thing and he parted the water and he went against Pharaoh and God gave him the Ten Commandments and then they kind of you know, did donuts out in the desert and you know, that, that was kind of it. And, and we know that he was like a big dude in the Jewish faith. We really discount the fact that he had a full life And he had a full life of leadership, servant leadership, for 40 years in a really bad environment. I mean, Moses had his authority questioned, not just this time, multiple times. Moses faced criticism in just about every area of his life. Do you know what what Miriam and Aaron were actually complaining about? They were complaining about who he had for a wife. They were picking on his wife. Now listen, let me tell you right now, you pick on my wife, you've got trouble coming your way, right? And, and Moses didn't even say anything. He let God do his talking. Wow. Moses faced discouragement while he was trying to lead. Moses faced the complaints of over a million people. At one point, <laughs> at one point, it says that Moses heard the people 
complaining and whining in the entrance of their tents. Let me back up. Moses heard the whining of all the people in the entrance of their tent. How many of you parents liked or like whining children? Oh, does it have to be this way? This, this is what was going on. Complaining and whining. At one point, he's hearing all the people. And you know what he says to God? He goes, I'm done. Can I, can I just check out? Can I, do I have to do this? Is this really what you have for me? Because I, can, can we just start over? In fact, did you know that at certain points, the people's complaining was so much that even God, two times God said, you know what, Moses, I'm going to pull you aside. I'm going to start over with you, and we're just going to do away with the rest of the people. They're just going to die out in the desert. Is that okay with you? And Moses is like, no, 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 God. You've got to be faithful to your people. You, you promise this to your people. So he, he defended the people on certain occasions, and other times he was ready to kill them himself. God just say the word, I'll do it myself. Right? Have you ever faced situations like that where you just, God, I'm, I'm done with this. I don't know what to do. Moses faced death threats. He faced the mutiny of leaders. And in the midst of crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis, for 40 years, he remained faithful to all that God had given him. Faithful servant leadership to a very ungrateful, unfaithful people. You know what that is? That's faithfulness. I'm convinced that the only source of this is the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that I don't have, you don't have what it takes to be faithful like this on our own. None of us do. At some point, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'm going to check out. I'm going to become bitter You are too. We cannot do this on our own. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to produce this kind of faithfulness in us, but there is some help. And this is the thing that I always look for. I look look for the the hack in our culture that, that, okay, isn't there something, God? I know I'm going to pray to you and I'm going to wait on the Holy Spirit to do this in my life, but is there just something that I can do to help the process? Because it's not always easy, and it's not always fun. How did Moses stay faithful to God and to the people? I think it's because Moses experienced the faithfulness of God. You say, wait, okay, that's just semantics. No, no, it isn't. I believe that Moses could stay faithful because he knew that God was faithful. That makes sense? I believe that he could keep going because he knew that the God who was faithful was going with him. In fact, we're going to see it in just a minute. Ever have one of those days when you're just not sure if you can keep going? When the responsibility seems too big and and you're not sure that you can keep doing what you're doing? And it's in one of those days, look what it says, that Moses said to the Lord in Exodus 33, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people to the promised land. God, you gave me this job. But you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. I don't feel like I can do this alone, God. I am not enough. I need help. You have told me, Moses says, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. 
If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way so I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your faith. Let me know what you're doing. You, you say that you love me and that, that you're looking favorably on me. I don't know what I'm doing and I am completely overwhelmed by this. Look at it. And remember that this nation is your very own people. You know what he's saying there? I know what he's saying there. You got me into this. You asked me to do this. These are your people. They're not mine. They're your people. So I need your help. This was your idea to begin with. I didn't volunteer for this job. You called me to it. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. Moses. <laughs> I mean, at that, you, you stop and you go, wow, God, God is saying I'm going to go with you. That, that should be enough, right? This should be, wow, thank you, God, I worship you. That should be enough. No, he doesn't do that. Look what he says. If you don't personally go with us, he's like, yeah, okay, you can say all that, God. But if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. We ain't going anywhere else because I'm done. You can say all you want, God, but if you're not really going to do that, I'm done. You see, Bart, you're kind of reading into this. I, I'm assuming that Moses was a guy, kind of like me. I'm assuming that Moses got tired of leading. I'm assuming that Moses had those days that were hard, like us. I'm assuming that Moses was human, not on a pedestal, not a pillar of faith, human. You say, is it okay to talk to God like this? How do you think he got face to face? Did you know that it says that David, I'm going to shift gears here, but it says that David was a man after God's own heart. Do you know how he got that title? <laughs> yeah, he followed God, he obeyed God. He, he was just honest. Come on, read through the Psalms, man. He is expressing, it's like a journal of David. He is expressing his heart to God. And sometimes he's like saying to God, God, my life stinks right now. Where you have me in life stinks. I don't want this anymore. Without your presence with me, I'm never going to make it. That's what Moses is saying. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place for your presence. See, this is, this is where the, the challenge of words to God is coupled with the worship of God. So don't, don't, don't think that you can just yell at God and get away with it. You can vent and you can express yourself to God, but you need to do it in an attitude of reverence and worship. And here it is. You can, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people of the world. He's saying, come on, if you don't keep your word, like you're saying, you can say all that, but if you don't keep your word, I don't want to go anywhere else, I'm done. But 
If you don't go with us, God, no one will know you. The Lord says to Moses, I will do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. I know where you are. I know where you live. I know what you're feeling. (laughs) And it's still not good enough. I love Moses. Look what he says. Then show me. Show me your presence. Please, God. I got, I got to know without a doubt, I have to know that you are with us. The Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. There there it is. I am filled with this. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. As God passed by and Moses saw his form. He heard, I am a God that is slow to anger. I am a God of unfailing love. I am a God who is faithful. Wow. How do I know that Moses got it? Because years later, look what Moses writes and really actually says. Deuteronomy 7, he says to the people, understand that the Lord your God is the faithful God who keeps his covenant and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Moses had come to understand the faithfulness of God and so he could remain faithful where God had him. Similarly, in my life, I've discovered that it helps me to stay faithful when I realize that God is faithful. You want to write that down? It helps me to stay faithful when I realize that God is faithful. When I know that God is with me, that God sees me, that God hears me, that God knows what I'm facing, that God knows what I'm feeling. When I know that God is able to handle anything that I am facing, when I know that God is faithful, I can stay faithful to whatever and wherever God has me. And you may not realize it. Next month... I'm going to celebrate my 54th birthday. 54. 54 young, right? And we have been serving here as lead pastor at Pathway Church 27 and three quarters years. Do the math. I've served here at Pathway Church for over half my life. There are days when I wonder if I can keep going. Anybody else relate to me in that in your life? There are days. There are times when I am discouraged. There are times when I would like to run away. Anybody else like me in that? 
There are times when I am disappointed. There are times when I'm running low. And for me personally, there are two passages. I, I didn't have time to go into the Apostle Paul, but he's another guy that shows faithfulness. There are two passages that the Apostle Paul has written that, that keep me going when I feel like quitting. Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 5, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. And Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. I can't tell you how many times verses like these have reminded me that God is faithful. No matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm seeing, no matter what I'm facing, God is faithful. And when I can realize that God is faithful to me, I can remain faithful to him. You see how that works? It's so clear. And yet, so often, we fail to get in our view that God is faithful. One of the best things you could do today is go home and rehearse in your mind. Maybe even write them down. I do this quite often as an exercise for me. Rehearse how God has been faithful to you. Back up and start listing in your mind or on paper, listing, or maybe even better, oh man, if you could do it with someone, a friend, a spouse, someone that you could just share, man, God has done this and this and this and this and this. When you start looking back at all that God has done and how he has proven himself to be there and be faithful and come through for you, it makes the continuing and the not quitting and not giving up and remaining faithful in life easier. And we all know that life is not easy. And we all need a hack. And that's it. Remind yourself the faithfulness of God. Maybe you're just starting something and you're wondering if you can do it. You need to hear that God is faithful. Step into what he has for you. Maybe you've been at something for a long time and you're wondering if you can keep doing this. You need to hear God is faithful. Don't give up. Don't quit. God is with you. God is faithful. And for some of us, you are not allowing God to work in your life through the struggle because you're jumping ship every time things get hard. You're quitting too soon, and you're moving on to something too soon when God all along is saying, stay where you are. I will be faithful to you. Listen to him. You need to stay where you are and trust that God is faithful. Would you bow your heads with me?